Welcome to the Relationship Church Podcast. Have you ever wondered how someone dealing with divorce, death, or terminal illness can do so with a positive attitude? Regardless of how bad things may be, they seem to be in better spirits than people dealing with small stuff. In today's message, Keep Singing, Ryan Neal shares just how to do this. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down, yea, we wept. When we remembered Zion, we hung our harps upon the willows in the midst of it. For there, those who carried us away captive asked for us a song. And those who plundered us requested mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget its skill. If I do not remember you, let my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth. If I do not exalt Jerusalem above my chief joy. Verse 7 says, remember, O Lord, against the sons of Edom, the day of Jerusalem, who said, raise it, raise it to its very foundation. I want to talk to you uh, briefly from the thought keep singing, keep singing. Um, Psalm 137 is a psalm that we're not really exactly sure who it's written by, but it was written during the time that the children of Israel were put into Babylonian captivity. Uh, There had been prophets for centuries coming and telling them that they need to turn from their wicked ways. They needed to again obey God. They needed to uh, go back, so to speak, to their first love because the things that they were doing, the, the, the practices that they were engaged in were taking them away from God. And so the prophet after prophet came to tell them to turn from their ways. But eventually when that did not happen, then they were taken into captivity. And this is probably one of the most traumatic events of the Old Testament because the Babylonian people were people who were uh, extremely, extremely carnal. Uh, They, at the time, during the time that uh, this is being written, Babylonian captivity is probably one of the worst places that they could have been taken into captivity by because they worshiped false gods. They had no respect for the one true and living God. And so here they are in this strange land being told to sing the old songs of Zion, being told, we want to hear a song, play us a song. And we don't really know from the scripture whether they were tormenting them or whether they really wanted to hear a song. Of course, they didn't want to hear it because of anything to do with the spirit of God, but they probably just knew that they were skilled musicians and wanted to hear something played. But the meaning of this, a lot of people will will say that what was going on here in verse four, when they said, how can we sing in a strange land? I've read that people believe that what they were saying is we will not sing the songs of the one true and living God in the midst of this pagan people. Um, but, but, but honestly, upon deeper insight and deeper looking into it, uh, some people will also say that they were just depressed and that they just didn't want to sing. It didn't have anything to do with uh, uh, trying to 
put up a front to tell them that you don't deserve to hear the songs of God or that they were being made fun of or that they were being picked on, but they were so depressed, they were so downtrodden in their spirit that they just said, we just don't want to sing. Now, it would make sense to say, well, we're not going to sing these songs of God uh, to someone who is being disrespectful. We're not going to cast our pearls before the swine, so to speak, or give up our good stuff for someone who does not deserve it, for someone who does not serve God. But I'm reminded of Psalm chapter number 34 that tells me, I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praises shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. So it can't be that they didn't think they deserved to hear the songs of Zion, because the Bible tells me in every situation, in every circumstance, no matter where I am, no matter what company I'm in, it's always a good time to praise the Lord. And you ought to just give him a praise right there because it's always a good time to give him a praise. Hallelujah. So here we are in the middle of the most traumatic event that we see in the Old Testament. These people have been taken captive into Babylonian captivity. And what's even worse is that during this time, Jeremiah sends a letter because there were false prophets that were telling them, you're coming out of this in no time. Don't put down roots here. Don't worry about it because you're coming right out of this. And at the time, Jeremiah sent a letter and said, don't listen to the false prophets. This is semi-permanent. Some of you will die here. It's going to be 70 years that you're going to spend in this captivity. So you might as well build some houses. You might as well marry. You might as well go ahead and have some children. Don't let your life stop because this is going to be your new way of life for the next couple of generations. But the false prophets were telling them it's over. The false prophets was telling them just wait a couple days and you guys are going to be on your way back to Jerusalem. But in the middle of all of that, can you imagine in the middle of the worst situation of their life, more bad news comes. And the bad news is that this is going to be like this for quite some time. Some of you that are even young now are going to die here. And so in the midst of all of that, they weren't just homesick. It's not that they were just simply missing Jerusalem. If you look at the words that they say here, by the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. We hung our hearts upon the willows in the midst of it. For there, those who carried us away captive asked us to sing a song. Verse four says, how shall we sing in a strange land? Verse five says, if I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my left hand forget the skill. If I do not remember you, let my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth. But these people were not just homesick. See, Jerusalem and Zion represented the place where God manifested his presence to his people. So not only were they missing it in a way of being homesick, but what they were missing was the presence of God. And I don't know if you've ever been in a situation in your life where there was something between you and the closeness that you needed to God. I don't know if you've ever been in a place where you felt that that you wanted the presence of God closer, but there seemed to be a, an abyss between you and between him. And I don't know if you've ever had a real touch from God, but if you've ever had a real touch from God, then you know nothing superficial will do. Playing church will no longer do. Pat a cake and God will no longer do. Once you have had an, a, an experience with his presence, then nothing short of a real move of God will ever do to, to placate you, to make you feel whole, to make you feel. So here they are. And see, it's not like it was where, where we are now. The woman at the well said, well, you say that, uh, that we should worship God here. And then other people say we should worship God up in the hills. And he said, a day is coming and has now come where we will worship God in spirit and in truth. 
And that's the thing I love about this, about the New Testament, the, about the new covenant that we have. We don't have to come necessarily just to a certain place to worship God. And I thank the Lord for your church attendance. And I thank the Lord for being faithful because we do need to come together and be together as one. But I can tell you some things. Some of the best times I've ever had in Jesus was at home in my own closet. Some of the best experiences that I've ever had with God is down on my knees crying out to God because like Brother Vernell for him. And some of us just need to get a little more desperate for God and we'll be able to get in touch with him like we need to. But what was going on here? Sin is what caused them to be in Babylon. Sin is what caused them to be captured and to be now uh, uh, put in a place where false worship and idol worship was standing between them and Jerusalem, standing between them and Zion. And anytime there's anything between you and God, even if it's not sin in and of itself, it becomes sin. It could just be busyness, but busyness that puts an abyss between you and God becomes sin. It could just be worrying about your children or trying to make sure your husband is happy, but if it becomes between you and God, then it has become sin now in your life. It could even be something good. It could be working for God or doing things in the church, but if it comes between you and your relationship with God, then it has become sin. But the answer to what they were looking for, they were depressed and didn't know what to do in all kinds of pain and trying to figure out how to get back to the place, back into the presence of God. But what they felt like they couldn't do was exactly what they needed to do. The, the Bible tells us, and we begin to see when we go back, when you have time, go back and read Jeremiah. I believe it's chapter number 14. And Jeremiah tells them that they are to repent. Jeremiah tells them that they are to essentially, how do you sing in a strange land? The way you sing in a strange land is that you, you, you remember your first love. You repent of the things that you've done. You, 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 you lay down your thoughts. You lay down your sins. You lay down those things that have kept you away from the presence of God. And no matter what situation you're in, no matter what circumstance you may be in, even though just like he told them, you might be there for a long time, but you got to learn sometimes to sing in the bad times. You got to learn sometimes to sing through the mess. You got to learn to sing through the muck and the mire. You got to learn to sing through the hurt. You got to learn to sing through, through feeling downcast. You got to learn to sing and give God the praise no matter what situation you might be in because we are to praise his name at all times. You ought to give him another praise. It was their sin that caused the distance between them and God. It was their sin that led them to this demonic place. The scripture tells us in, in Revelations 2, he talks, talking to one of the churches, he says to consider how far you've fallen and turn back to your first love. You, you ever notice when you look at that scripture, it'd be easy to look at that scripture and just say, well, he's just telling them to repent. But no, he says, stop for a moment. Stop for a moment, not because I'm trying to remind you of your sins, not because I'm trying to wag my finger and say shame on you, but I just want you to take an inventory real quick of everything that has happened. Because at one time you were close to me. I was your first love. At one time you had a relationship with me. At one time you would not let nothing separate you from my love. But the first thing I want you to do to make sure that this don't happen again is consider how far you've fallen. Let me look back to where I used to be and look at the things that I've allowed to come between me and God. Let me take a moment and just sit back and look and take an inventory and let me name the people that have come between me and God. Let me name the places 
that have come between me and God. Let me name the friends that have come between me and God. Let me name the romantic interests that have come between me and God. Let me name the stuff, the things, the sin, the busyness. Let me consider everything that I have allowed to come between me and God so that I never let it happen again. I don't know where you are today. I don't know what kind of pain you may be in. You may not be taken captive, but, but we live in a day where it just seems to always be something. One thing after another, and I hate saying stuff like that. I hate saying one thing after another because, you know, and I try not to speak that way in my everyday life, but sometimes, honestly, you just can't help it. It just seems like back to back. Something's coming back to back. And I would love to come here and tell you this morning that if you just spin around three times and shout twice, then you're coming right on out of this thing. I would love to tell you if you just stand up and clap your hands three times and all your debt is gonna go away. But, but truthfully, what I can tell you is that in the midst of whatever you're going through, the answer is to just keep on singing, to keep your joy, to keep on praising, to keep on praying, to keep on saying, you know what? I know one thing, I don't know what's going on, I don't know what kind of test this is. I, maybe, maybe it's just the, the consequences, like in their case, the consequences of my actions. But I do know this, God forgives. I do know this, God is faithful. Because of his mercies, we are not consumed. His compassions, they fail not. They are new every morning. I know his faithfulness is great. And I know I can never stray far enough from him that his arm is not long enough to reach and pull me back again. So why do I keep singing? I keep singing because he's still good. My circumstances are bad, but he's still good. Why do you keep singing? I keep singing because he's still worthy. I don't understand it, but he is still God. I keep singing because he still loves me. I don't care what happened. I don't care who came. I don't care who went. I don't care what might be going on in your life. But God said, I still remain here. I have not moved and I will not change. He said, I am the Lord God and I change not. Ain't you glad he don't change? You changed. I changed. You messed up. I messed up. Looking crazy. Trying to figure out how in the world I fell from here. Considering what got between me and God. How did I allow myself to get to a place where I'm not even sensing the closeness that I used to feel with God. Trying to figure out why I'm depressed. Why I've hung my heart on the willow tree. Why I can't even open up my mouth to sing to the Lord and just thank him for everything that he's done. Why? but he's still there. He's still faithful. He still cares. He still loves. He said, just open up your mouth and begin to praise me. I, I wish you would just do it right now. Just begin to open up your mouth and worship him. Just begin to open up your mouth and tell him how good he is. Tell him how awesome he is. Tell him how wonderful he is. Tell him how amazing he is. Tell him how worthy he is. God, we magnify you. God, you are worthy of all of our praise. God, we don't always understand you. We don't understand what you allow, God. We don't understand, Lord Jesus, even the consequences that come sometimes by our own sin. But God, we thank you because we still know where to find you. God, we still know where to find you. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah, God, we find you in our praise. God, we can still find you in our worship. God, we can still find you in our song. God, we can still find you when we open up our mouth and lift our voice. God, we may not even feel it. God, we may not even feel like doing it, but we know that when we open up our mouth, and begin to praise you that you, God, said that your presence will be in the midst of your praise. I don't know what Hallelujah, Jesus. We thank you, oh God. Oh God, thank you for not abandoning your children, Jesus. God, we deserve to be left, oh God, but you are still right there, Jesus. God, even when we feel like we can't handle life, oh God, we're just one praise away from a nice, warm, wonderful hug from you, God. Yeah. We're just one praise away from your love, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, God, when I remember you, Lord Jesus, I remember I'm not alone. When I remember you, Lord Jesus, I just remember, Lord God, that I'm, that I'm literally still in your hands. There is nothing that the enemy can do to me. There's nothing that the enemy can do. He can't stop. He can't stop what God ordained. And let me tell you something. In the middle of them being in Babylonian captivity for their own sin, just serving out the natural consequences of what God told them would happen, do you know that that's when Jeremiah also wrote and told them, I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you to bring you to an expected end. Even an angry God said, I still got a plan for you. Even a God that we made angry said, I still love you. Nothing can pluck you out of my hand. Absolutely nothing. You are mine and you're gonna be mine and there's no devil in hell that can take you or pry you from my fingers. Thank you, Jesus. He tells them in Jeremiah 29, seek me. He said, will you just seek me with all your heart? I, I want you to seek me with every fiber of your being. And that's when I will be found by you. When you make up your mind, when you get desperate enough to say, I'm going to seek you with everything that I've got. He said, that's when you're going to find me. He said, I haven't moved. I haven't moved. But what happened was a bunch of junk got between me and you. So you can't even see me no more. There's a bunch of things that are between you looking at God. We say God is back there at that door, but there's so many things that have clouded the aisle. But he says, but when you search for me with all of your heart, and sometimes that means you got to move through the mess. You got to move through the things that have kept you from God. And he said, but when you seek for me with all you got, when you search for me with all of your heart, he said, he said, it doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter how far away you are because guess what? The thing that I love about God is as you taking one step toward him, he's taking two towards you. All you got to do is just keep on searching. All you got to do is just keep on looking. And the thing that's so amazing about him is that he knows where you are. He knows how weak you may be. He knows how tired that you are. 
And you know what? He says, when I tell you to seek me with all your heart, I know how much you got left. I know that you don't have the fervor that you once had. He said, but if you just turn back to me, you're already moving in the right direction. Just one simple turn. That's what that word repent means, is to do an about face on sin. It means to just turn away from our wicked ways. And so he said, all you got to do is turn. If you just turn, you're already moving in the right direction. Just something as simple as a turn. He said, if you just turn back toward me, then I'm coming for you. As you search for me, I'm going to look for you. As you continue to search for, as you begin to pray, as you begin to sing in this strange place that you're in, as you begin to sing through everything you're going through, as you begin to worship and praise my name, as you begin to think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he has done for you, he said, I will give you strength. They that wait upon the Lord said he will what? He will renew their strength. They will mount up on wings like an eagle. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Wait, I say on the Lord. He said, as you continue to seek me. And we always say, wait on the Lord. I know my old pastor, he used to say, you know, we, we talk about wait on the Lord. He said, no, no, no. He said, wait on the Lord. What, what do you need, God? What do you need? Just like a good waiter at a restaurant. Well, what do you need, God? What, what, what can I do for you, God? How can I praise you? What do you want from me? Lord, I'm going every whatever it is that you need, God, I am here to fulfill that thing. I'm going to be the best waiter that you got in this place, God. Whatever it is, whatever you want, I'm going to do it, God. I'm going to search for you with everything that I have. You didn't seek me before. In fact, many of us in the height of the ability to seek the presence of God, that's the last thing we wanted to do. When things were going good in our life, a lot of times, you know, we didn't even really give them just like them. Before they were in captivity, they didn't give God too much attention at all. But the thing that I love about God is that he will allow certain things to happen to you. Because let me tell you, he's so much more concerned about your salvation than he is about you being comfortable. He's so much more concerned about your salvation and your relationship with him than he is about your car. He's so much more concerned about having a one-on-one -on -one with you than he's concerned about that person that you're dating. He's so much more concerned about the love that he has for you and you experiencing that and you understanding that than that house that you thought you wanted. He's more concerned about the eternal things than he is about the temporal. And so we have to understand, he says, you know what, you may not have sought me before, but I want you to know, I, I, I want you to seek me again. This is your invitation. He said, that is the plan I have toward you. That is what I have for you. You'll find me when you search for me and you seek me with all of your heart. And they say down in verse number four, it says, now, Shall we sing the Lord's song? How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? Then he says, if I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget its skill. He says, if I forget you, God, if I forget your presence, God, then anything I'm doing with my hands, any of my, anything that we would call productivity, he says, let me just forget it. Because if I forget my relationship with God, he said, I'm not good for nothing else. I don't need no job if I don't have no relationship with God. I don't need no man if I don't have a relationship with God. I don't need no woman if I don't have a relationship with God. I don't need no friends if I don't have a He said anything and everything. It don't even matter. He said if you have gotten yourself to a place, if I've gotten myself to a place where I forgot my relationship with God, he said nothing else matters. And that's how God wants us to value him. God is calling for us today. He said, can you please put me back in proper order of priority? 
That is what God is asking for. That is what he sent me here to ask us today. God said, can you put me back in proper priority? Verse number six, he says, if I do not remember you, let the tongue, my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth. If I do not exalt Jerusalem above my chief joy. Ask yourself, what's your chief joy? What temporal thing seems to make you the happiest? Maybe it's money. Maybe it's a person. He said, hey, I don't even want to be able to speak. Just, just shut my mouth right on up if I'm not singing your praises. Shut my mouth right on up if I don't value whatever it is that I'm treasuring. If I don't value God above that thing. He said, I don't need to be productive no more. I don't need no job no more. I don't even need to be able to talk. Because at that point, guess what? We are damned. And God is saying, no, that's not what I want for you. So I will take your toys in order to get your attention. I will take the things that you are exalting above me. So then the only thing, you know, you, you didn't put eight things in front of God. And then God starts to take things away one by one by one by one. And God might still be down here. But he said, even though I'm down here, guess what now? It ain't nothing between you and me. That's called desperation. Because everything else, it don't matter how your list look. If God ain't number one, even if he's number two, the whole list is off. Ain't nothing going to ever be right. But God said, I will take your things. I will allow things to be taken away from you to get your attention. Why? Not because I'm a bully. You know why I'll do it? And you know why God does it? Because he knows your heart. He knows you're just distracted. He knows you really love him. He knows that you know that nothing will ever be right in your life until your relationship with him is first place. And so he says, I'm not doing it to bully you. I'm not doing it to, to try to, uh, uh, as you would think of like witchcraft or something, to just make you serve me. I'm not doing it to try to make you a computer. I'm doing it because you're too dumb to figure it out for yourself. I'm doing it because you got so many things that you started getting joy from the resources and forgot all about the source. And he said, and it's really a blessing. The scripture tells it, put the word on it. He said, I chasten whom I love. I chasten whom I love. We talked last week, I believe Brother Olu talked uh, last week and he was talking about uh, the, the, the pruning process and, and it talks about the, the branch that is taken away or that's pulled off. And then he says, but to the other branches that bear fruit, that's you and I. That's those of us that are in this building today. He said he don't, he don't cut them off, but he prunes them. But see, pruning is still cutting and cutting still hurts. But the thing about God is that he's cutting you with a purpose. And the purpose is not to cut you off. The purpose is that you have more fruit. The purpose is, is not to take you away. He said he's pruning you. Anybody that knows anything really good about gardens is if you got a plant that looks real good and it's got some dead stuff on it, sometimes you got to pull that dead stuff off. You got to perform a little bit of surgery to pull that dead stuff off if you really want that plant to bloom. And so, so many times in God, especially when priorities are wrong, he will cut things off of us. And that hurts. That hurts. But he said, I want you to keep singing through the surgery. I want you to keep singing through the hard time, keep singing through the consequences. And he says, because as you begin to seek me and as you begin to search for me, guess what? He said, you'll find me. 
You search for me with all your heart, you'll find me. Even if your circumstances don't change, let me tell you about how your mindset will change. Let me tell you about how you'll have joy in the midst of, of they begin to have joy when they learn what they ought to do. They begin to have joy in the midst of captivity because that's the kind of God that we serve. He's never looking to harm us. He said, Jeremiah told them, I have an expected end for you. Why am I singing? Because he has an expected end for me. That the things ain't right in my life. I'm stressed out. I don't know how this is going to work. I don't know how I'm going to handle this. I don't know. There's so many things coming against me at once. Why are you singing? Because I believe that he has an expected end for me. Why are you still praising him? Because I think he's still good. The word tells me that he's still got an expected end for me. I may not see it. I may not understand it. But guess what? I know that God is the kind of God that cuts me to help me, not cut me to harm me. I'll end with this. I heard a, um, I heard a, a, a story a long time ago, and it was talking about this, this pastor. He went to go see this man that had, uh, that went to a mother, I'm sorry, to go identify the body. And I guess he came with the mother and the, 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 the child had like a one inch cut in his neck, but they had cut at like a, a very precise place. And he was laying in the morgue dead. And he was saying a few weeks later, he was at the gym in the locker room and he said there was this man that had a cut from here all the way down his chest. And he looked at the man with the cut and he said, man, what happened to you? And he told him, he said, I had open heart surgery. They had to cut down his chest, break open his ribs, all of those things in order to do open heart surgery. Now the man with the one inch cut was laying in the morgue dead. And the man with the cut from his neck all the way down his abdomen was alive. Why? Because the man that was cut from his neck down was cut with the purpose of saving his life. Whereas the man in the morgue, even though it was a much smaller cut, he was cut with the purpose of killing him. And when God cuts you, it's not that it don't hurt, but he's doing it to save your life. He's doing it with a purpose. The man that was, that was at the gym, he was cut with a purpose. It was a long cut, but he was cut with a purpose. And I want you to understand that that is what God does when there is something that you don't understand in your life. Whether it's God testing you, whether it's the consequences of your own mistakes, or maybe a little bit of both, just know that God always has a purpose in everything that he does. And his purpose is to help you not to harm you. His purpose is to bless you. His purpose is to bring you to an expected end. So even when you find yourself in a depressing situation, I want you to remember to keep on saying, God bless you. We pray that today's message has been a blessing and makes an eternal impact on your life. Join us live on Sundays at 12.45 p.m. Central Time. If you're in the St. Louis metro area, we meet at 1060 Chambers Road, just off Bell Fountain Road, about a mile south of Highway 270. You can also join us via Zoom. The login number is 314-720-8880. You can call that number to reach someone on our ministry team or text the word CONNECT there to be in the know regarding upcoming events. Again, that number is 314-720-8880. Relationship Church is the whole life church, so come grow with us.